आज की ताजा खबर बेंगलुरु में रहने वाले लू और अमेरिका में रहने वाले सेठ आपसे कुछ बात करना चाहते हैं संगीतकार राजस के साथ आपका स्वागत है What's going on, people? I'm Lou, and I'm Sid, and we are Lucid. Uh, welcome to the podcast again. Um, it's been a while. um since you know i mean it's not been a while i think yeah. because <laughs> our previous podcast not had come out yet so anyways uh today's today's podcast is going to be really uh, interesting it's going to be fun uh, i'm sure because we have a guest on board today uh, his name is sandilya mv uh, just a quick background and an introduction about him so he did his mba in iim calcutta um and then worked in itc for 4 years after that and then switched his career track to becoming a consultant in Ernst and Young for a year and uh, this is the fun part he gave it all up and gave up the corporate life and took a plunge into farming for the next 3 years and then came back in had a stint in a saas company and then the times group as a business development lead for the next 6 years and then finally today he works as an associate director at the nudge institute which aims to alleviate poverty in india and he works in the skill development segment so uh, welcome sandilya i'll be addressing you as sandy from now uh, given that that's how i have been doing it for the past uh, few months and i know sandilya uh, sandy uh, through my policy course and he's just uh, a, a, you know a bubble of wisdom so hi sandy uh, welcome to the podcast thanks for those kind word uh, kind words luwen said Uh, i think uh, you should not go overboard in terms of pearls of wisdom you know that typically then warrants uh, two three hours of gyan that comes but uh, excited to be here uh, this is a very interesting thing you guys are doing uh, happy to be here yeah nice awesome awesome so great great to have you i mean uh, i think uh, having heard your introduction i'm pretty sure people want to know uh one very big question that everyone has like i mean uh such a massive career spanning uh through different sectors why did you do it how what drives you yeah just why don't you go ahead and let us know yeah i think a caveat that uh, while it all sounds like very exciting you know so many sectors and all it comes with its own uh, ups and downs but i think i should be frank enough in terms of i don't know whether i did make the career choice or it just happened but i think one um, constant thing that has remained i mean that uh, at least propelled me for the first shift i made from itc to ernst and young was uh, i found the itc a bit sarkari and you know people progress with time and i thought that i should progress faster i want to become a ceo by 40 all those kind of things right uh, which was relevant i think which was being talked about i what 15 years back and even now i think that's like the absolute absolute goal right so right. earlier i think it was ceo at 40 now it's ceo at 30 <laughs> oh no billionaire at 30 <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah with but, all yeah. the with all the finance kind of uh, people coming up as well now i mean personal finance and knowing how to do your stocks and stuff it's like a booming industry now so yeah a lot of people are yeah. looking at that yes. yeah so so i think that was one then gradually as i you know did farming and then switched back to uh, got out of farming for fairly obvious reasons 
um then you know by the time i was like trying to think about what you know what can i do in terms of impact so impact by the way is a very loosely used word especially in the development sector you know i'm going to try to create impact impact and then you're like wondering what what is this impact this guy is creating but yeah so i mean taken baby steps in that direction and that's how i am at the nudge institute now we have a very ambitious goal which is eradication eradicating poverty within our lifetime in india That's and you're talking of uh, uplifting i don't know what 25 30 40 crores because of the multiple covid waves so yeah that's one thing uh, i mean trying to get some meaningful work and all obviously there was uh, that other thing you know which is kind of stuck uh, you know at least in the latest that uh, takshashila course also you know i saw that bit coming up you know where there is this constant urge to learn and you mm-hmm. know as we progress down this discussion uh, that's something that i would like to touch upon you know it's that's another very loosely used term that you know we should you should always have the learning interest intent you should hire people who are you know have the ability to learn and you will find it like so severely lacking as you progress in your careers at the same time I, I think it all gets balanced with one other thing, which is that can I get up today and do something rather than you know do ten hours of meetings and not falling into that bleeding heart category, right? Oh shit, there are twenty five crore people. Yeah, okay, they are there. They've been there. Can I do something? So uh, I think yeah, broadly that's the direction. I would not say that I'm <laughs> I'm just going to go down that path. It might change, <laughs> but yeah, fantastic, fantastic, Sid. you have been silent since we started yeah. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on this any questions yes, yeah no like i think the first time you know you spoke about sandy and you know i was going through his linkedin profile i'm like wow like how does like one shift like so many different domains so sandy i have one question like generally when people talk about careers they talk about career security and also they talk about like you know the financial stability part of it so like how did you manage those expectations on a personal level and say even on a like a family level where they're like why you leaving such a good company and like changing domains like especially when you left ey and uh, went into farming like how did you manage those expectations see i think the first answer there is definitely a life stage right where you are um if you are if you don't have any responsibilities like for example i didn't need to save up to buy a house my parents had already done that i don't have any dependents so uh, if my income is a bit rocky that's fine the third and the most important thing uh, i don't know i think it worked in my favor is that uh, you know this was like 2 years into uh, my marriage and uh, both of us had worked about 5 6 years and both of us were fairly fed up with uh, working i think uh, when your intent is clear so first you have to check the box of intent right uh, before you suddenly land up uh, in a situation where you are are abhi wo petrol ka paisa kaise denge you know i have moved from you know earning a regular income and and then moving to that position so i think once the intent is clear the shock is easier to handle now comes the second part now once you go off doing something on your own so typically what happens you just go down the rabbit hole 
and if it is working fine and uh, you know if you were now like when in pre series a i think there is raise some 50 million dollars right. and all that then it's all fantastic but we don't see that 99% of the people don't make it then you're just in that rabbit hole so you have fairly cut off uh, your all social connections and all that and then then it's a struggle to get back there you start uh, you know okay so so the best part right when i quit farming was i was like thank god i'll not lose any more money <laughs> i'm like ab ho gaya like i have taken care of any enough households and then i was like let, let me just get a job now when you get back then you see what the kind of salaries people are earning mm. like who you thought were like you know way more suboptimal let's just keep it at that then you are like you know that pinches you rather than that's your a, reality that's a that's sly hit at me <laughs> i would say anyways yeah go on so the, yeah so that hits at your reality your reality is actually great your family is doing well mm-hmm. your parents are fine they go to your kids go to school you do foreign vacation oh no but that guy is earning three times my right mm-hmm. now that is a gradual progression that you have to come to terms with and it's more about calibrating what you aspire for vis-a-vis not falling for you know what's happening around and and that's just constant huh? it's it's because as you uh, as you age as you go through the life stages as you get married and kids i mean silly things like which school your kids go to becomes like a you know peer question right yeah so that that's a constant issue but yes you sh- that's what i said the first point the intent has to be in place and then you know i guess it's constant work in progress <laughs> makes yeah. superb superb i just so had- i mean sorry go on go on sir i just had one more question again uh, coming back to the same point of like different domains switching different domains how did you deal with imposter syndrome because for example me i'm transitioning from an engineer to like a business role and even you did that like you did an mba so but you shifted so many domains like sometimes i feel like you have to play catch up to like some of the undergrads who are joining the same role as me so like uh, like like give us like your thoughts and like yeah, experiences just from just that. to add to that just to add to that see you you spoke about intent right i mean though we do have some amount of intent we do get into it and then you kind of are like overwhelmed with yeah. all these other people who are folks are there so how do you like manage your intent versus like like i think said quite uh, pointed out very well about in, imposter syndrome yeah that's actually a tough one you know um how do you manage your intent so i think it it okay that's actually also an interesting question it's about have you made key decisions in your life and stood by it so actually it started in my uh, third year engineering i think till then it was all automatic right so 12th kuch diya then uh, then i wrote the state and trends aspiring for iit but chalo abhi state mein mil gaya chalo <laughs> okay by that time also i think still it was automated in terms of doing an mba but typically engineering was about either joining tcs infosys wipro or going and doing ms i said no i don't want to do mba the first key decision i took 
was I did not apply in the placement process. And I didn't tell my parents. I mean, the general rebellious streak was there. And of course, I mean, I did way more later. Uh, but I think that decision, for example, so you took a decision and stood by it and you with, you handled it. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we come about, uh, come to the topic of managers, which is uh, like a very favorite topic of mine, we will touch upon that again. And then uh, I didn't get through the first time. Then, uh, you know, I was getting the second rung of colleges. And then, you know, how the usual uh, society is like, chalo yaar, jo mil rahe le lo. You know, you, so everybody is constantly discounting you, right? I mean, they're discounting me even now, but anyways. So, um, yeah, then I uh, went through that phase, got lucky. And then there were various other decisions, including, of course, I should say, getting into farming as well as getting out of farming. Getting into farming, I, was, I would say, was a relatively easy situation. I had a runway of about two years. But that's what I said. When you get into the rabbit hole, you don't know when to get out. Hmm, right. so I think those were very key decisions. And then this was all happening in Hyderabad. And I suddenly uprooted my entire family and moved to Noida. You know, Noida, by the, you know, I don't know how the perceptions have changed. Delhi is still something like, you know, oh, that's the north. Noida is like the wild north. So, <laughs> you know, so all those decisions... Once you keep taking, uh, yeah, then that's where you get the confidence. Keep chalo, I mean, ho jai. But coming down to this imposter syndrome, that is like, a, <laughs> that's like a constant companion. That's like Vikram Betal, right? <laughs> like, and then, you know, Vikram answers our questions to the best of his capability and Betal goes off for a while. And then Vikram goes and does another adventure. Then Betal comes back. <laughs> but I, th- right. I, I think a very important thing what I, I saw, I mean, including getting into the dev sector, is a very common theme that people in that sector have. Oh, Acha, you're new to the sector. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah it'll take some time for you to understand. Right. I'm purely right. talking into a non-tech side, no? uh, because mostly business, I mean, engineering was a fraud. Uh, from a business perspective, it's it's you mean there are the basic nuts and bolts. You need to understand that. You will take some time to understand it, like one or two months or three months, and then you will move on. So that that's how I have I think now reached that position where okay, fine. Now if I go to the next sector, maybe I'll be able to handle it. But as you know, one of my friends was saying, Abhi dekh, tere na politics hi baki hai. <laughs> so that is something I won't be able to handle. But I know, did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Like, yes, yes. From yes. what I understood was like taking those important key decisions like during your life like and standing by it, like that helps you give the confidence to do what you want with respect to the intent you have. Yeah, right. so I think, uh, I, I, sorry, sorry, I did one. No, no, no. I just had one more question though. So now, see, uh, we do have, uh, you know, we take decisions, we stand by it. Like for, I, I'm just very curious, okay? I just want to build upon the farming aspect of things. So you took a decision to get into it and then you stood by it for, say, two, three years. How do you tell yourself to not stand by it anymore and take this new decision to quit farming, which you will now stand by? 
uh, like like you said that that is probably the tougher decision so to how make. how do you decide the uh, you know to what is a dodge the phrase that you know hey you are a quitter <laughs> ha ex- exactly exactly yeah, yeah. are you a quitter <laughs> so right, i think right. that really bo- uh, that really was there on the top of my mind uh, when i took that decision due to um, due to very favorable feedback i got through my childhood so i was like ki theek hai abhi um, favorable means unfavorable <laughs> got it got it so, uh, <laughs> so uh, i was like and like everybody is appalled right you go to engineering and mba from iim calcutta and you decide to do farming i mean wtf so um, so that was very important there were obvious setbacks in terms of not really thinking through say five steps six steps 10 steps and all and there is always analysis that you can do in the hindsight when you are in it you need to act so there were phases you know so see i'll i'll just tell you broadly three four phases we started off first saying we'll do pesticide free farming and uh, within six months we realized that the entire system was um, was corrupt people were only cheating so we quickly shifted to melons we said we'll be the melon farmers of india watermelon then we saw that the price risk was too high so then we said let's diversify now when you diversify you need to put in infrastructure that was the fourth phase and i would say an important phase in terms of pulling putting in more money once all the money is gone and so mm-hmm. that's what i said right one of the points that would motivate me especially at the farm is like while i was farming like when i get up can i do something and going to the farm was one of the best i would say going at the farm was one of the best places to be ever in my entire 17 18 years i would say or maybe my entire life it's just an amazing experience except of course you know extreme summers then it's like bit torturous but still i mean mm-hmm. uh, yeah so you will get setbacks get sleep over it maybe get up next day and get going because i think that's an important point as we hear about stories around mental health i have friends actually who are like elder to me who are having serious mental health issues around you know something getting upset in their professional career and it'll be so funny okay you're earning like 1 uh, crore per year you have two kids they're going to school you have your own house you're living in it but suddenly your boss changed and he's making life hell for you not even really hell you are feeling redundant i mean i really thought seriously dude matlab why at all you know i mean don't carry the atlas get up in the morning and get going if it's not working there maybe somewhere else right. i don't know whether that that answers your question it it puts an well i mean it puts in a lot of perspective as to how i should wake up in the morning at least <laughs> 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 right, right. another question i had for, for sandy is uh, there's been a lot of talk on social media how uh, you know college is not worth it anymore because a lot of uh, education is available online there are a lot of industry experts who are teaching like these cohort based courses and some people have gone to the extent saying that you know iits and iims are not worth it for the degree but more for the network 
and like since you've like passed off like from IAM long time ago, uh, do you think the IAM tag has helped you like over the course of the years? And what about the education and the network like for both the factors? Interesting. Unless the fundamentals of our society change, which I say our society includes US, mm-hmm. the answer is a no-brainer. It will matter where you studied from. Now you might uh, call it, uh, you know, what is that boys club, girls club kind of a thing. Oh, you are from ISBO, you are from IIM. It matters. Biases exist. Changing biases is a very, very long-term task. It's too aspirational. Having said that, we should check some boxes before we go down this path. Uh, forget about IIT, IIM and all. Huh? Let's look at very basic. Like in 10th, you got 80%. What does that mean? You checked a box in terms of a basic qualification. I'm, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just being extremely pragmatic and realistic in how people view this. The society views it or employers sure. view it. In 12th, you got 90%. Check. State entrance, top 500. Check. IIT got in. Check. Why do recruiters come to IIT or IIMs? Because you fundamentally got in in the first place. They right. did bulk of the process. I don't think even 20-30% of the students who get into these institutions use or leverage the institution's value, which is very sad. I was also part of that. And yes, I think, uh, Lou, you should avail the benefits of you know, getting to ISB. I mean, it, it doesn't just mean academically, but you should avail the benefit of that network. So it's a series of checks right now. The check doesn't stop here. The next check is where did you get placed? Mm-hmm. So did you? So in my time, I think the in things were the I banks and the top consultants. Then again, check. It's still the same. So yeah. if you see, I don't know whether startups still do this because they are started by these IITs and McKinsey background kind of guys. They just put in in their strategy roles. They say that background in McKinsey, background in Bain, background okay. in B. So right. that's a series of checks. Now your online courses just can't match that. Hmm. And there is a reason for all of this. This is how the society works. You can work around it. You can work in parallel. That's up to you. I mean, uh, I mean, the gods of tech world, I mean, famously were all dropouts. That's a great thing. But for an average to above average youth, going just down the path saying that Acha, oh, Elon Musk to drop out tha, to maybe drop out karke, ek panch course karke, karlunga startup, will put you down that rabbit hole, which I was talking to. Right. I know so many people, yeah, you're just down the rabbit hole, you're not able to see what's happening outside. So that's the risk. And because of this entire system, you having that certificate will always matter. Right. Your skills might matter if, say, for example, Achaya, you coded a, a very significant app, then that becomes a credential. Right. But I would say that's also similar to this, right? Yeah. So there also you established right. a credential, say, by doing, I don't know, being partner partnering with the Uber apps, the original Uber app or some original chip design. But that's also a check, right? 
Correct. It's all about checks. Got it. Playing it independent is very, very, very tough. hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I'm understanding is at the end there needs to be some sort of credential, and if you're not getting a college degree. you need to do something very worthwhile that that can match this credential for example i'm an engineer and say i want to be recognized as an engineer and companies want to recruit me if i don't have a college degree i have to build an app like which made the news or like which has like massive number of downloads to show that technical capabilities which acts as a social credential any kind of signaling yeah to think of it from the recruiter's perspective okay so i have not been there too many times even a one hour interview is just not enough mm. right i i will be i will need more information from your resume from your linkedin from whatever papers you did one hour is just too too less especially you know when you look at campus recruitments and as it progresses right in b schools it is extreme pressure for the recruiter <laughs> forget about the students hey ab bhi offer do ab bhi offer do nahi to ye ja raha so he's like and and that will have to be answerable to his boss right because yeah. he left to make that call so what right. are those signaling metrics you can pull it up which is what now not now i mean even in my time people used to go overboard in resume building but that's very important there is no time <laughs> you know i mean otherwise if you just you know yeah yeah you jumped out of the page that's a different thing yeah but yeah the reality we have to face makes sense so i mean uh, i was saying this when we started this season again like a 31st episode i was saying i have a target of reaching 83 episodes this year so that will add a tick in my resume i mean it's <laughs> it's 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 exactly what you're saying and uh, this this kind of like really uh, brings to my mind another kind of thought uh the fact that you know the 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 society itself is constructed this way and to some extent now social media is also kind of pushing this direction of thought uh, to you know digest information in short form like you just get these small bits of information twitter is completely that right and yeah. you're not able to fully form a proper judgment or a proper decision because the time is not enough just like how you brought in the recruitment process this is like how we kind of digest information in our day to day lives now no one is okay to read a long 1000 uh, word editorial anymore uh, so what are your thoughts on that how do we kind of overcome that and you know how do we really dig deep and analyze a real problem so i should obviously put a caveat that that i have never been a researcher or really written a thesis and all which is what typically people with long form content or go deep do but i can only just comment basis my experience so uh, and it's best taken up by uh, you know an example so let's talk about say skill development now ever since uh, the bjp government came in in 2014 a ministry of skill development and entrepreneurship was initiated ki nahi bhai abhi to skill development karna hai there is the demographic dividend there are youth coming out we need to push for entrepreneurship this and that the fact of the matter is that it has achieved very less i don't have the exact numbers mm-hmm. but like usual government schemes which are not closely monitored and have clear outcomes 
it has become uh, more of a process driven not a outcome oriented uh, uh, scheme or work mm -hmm. so if you just look at skill development right so what acha skill development karna hai to kya karna hai so one one is that there is a course okay say so, say so let's look at pre training so first check is that are the youth even aware of such skill programs okay right. uh, is there training capacity to kind of reach this youth where they are do the youth have trust in these programs now most of the youth who are trying to reach here are doing something else possibly farming or working in a shop what is the opportunity cost for skilling this is all mm -hmm. before the training starts now during the training what will be the quality that you can establish okay what what are the retention challenges will that person see we are talking of youth who have not been through formal education you know something that people like you me and all find it extremely difficult to relate to we went to schools mm -hmm. we went to colleges we work in jobs you know this all comes very naturally we are talking of people who are eighth pass which is i mean below eighth pass will be a 100 million number in india everything is youth now chalo ye sab ho gaya now which employer will take him will the employer have some empathy for his status be a bit accommodative have a good training program etc etc reality check most of the jobs are in the informal sector which is service oriented mm -hmm. mostly you have got your gig economy which has actually saved india and saved uh, governments by absorbing so many people and giving them 15 20000 rupees per month but you got a question that is that really a job i mean look at that guy who delivers uh, i don't know his name he at least now you know they started wearing some uniform so there is some dignity there's no dignity in that job can we get people to dignified jobs okay now we talked from the supply side now look at demand side i don't know whether uh, i mean these are all popular numbers that keep coming through uh, international labor organization says that india if does if it doesn't skill itself we lose some 30 million jobs by 2030 what does that mean that means that those jobs which could have come to india will actually go abroad okay. now that's also a very simplistic thing अच्छा वो जॉब के लिए स्किल क्या चाहिए वो स्किल के लिए ट्रेन कब करना है ऑल दैट द इंडस्ट्री हैज टू गिव ओके आई नीड जॉब्स यू नो सिक्स मंथ्स डाउन द लाइन वन ईयर डाउन द लाइन ऑल दिस हैज टू मैच अप व्हेन व्हेन यू आर लुकिंग एट पर्सपेक्टिव्स ऑफ द मल्टीपल स्टेक होल्डर्स ऑटोमेटिकली यू गेट अ होलिस्टिक अंडरस्टैंडिंग आई डोंट नो डज दैट डज दैट डज दैट आंसर योर क्वेश्चन Yeah, the, I actually, it, it, I actually it, thought of a far simpler one. Go on. You know, like, far simpler one was like, ah, uh, so young kids, you no know, less than the age of ten, they get, they go to school. I mean, they hate going to school. They're bored with school. Like, I don't want to go to school and all. Now, what are the, let's say, simplistic conclusions or analysis of this? Ah, he is not interested. Yeah, his attention span is gone. You need to look at from biology. till 100 200 years back we we were i mean it was far more unorganized our society and if you look maybe i don't know 10 15 generations back uh, 
um there was fair bit of uh, hunting staying awake in the night safety of the village and all so we are naturally born as something called as larks and owls some who stay late in the night and some who sleep early we are genetically programmed it's so difficult for people to accept it i had a friend who would only sleep at 4 or 5 am in the morning and i i just can't relate to that so maybe that kid has that problem basic biological issues yeah uh i'm getting headache whenever i go to class i'm not able to read you know what is the estimated percentage of uh, students who have who are dyslexic it's 15% 1 in 6 what okay no. okay now go to a rural setting okay that fellow is not able to read 1 in 6 kids have dyslexia what the teacher say just give him 5 wax a very useless fellow you are not reading um no i i talk about another issue our whole school system has been designed basis the industrial era why do you go to school at 9 because so that your parents can go to the factory at 9 <laughs> you know maybe it doesn't suit you you know simple things like it's been scientifically proven that till the age of 10 kids need at least 10 hours sleep it seems like so out of the box right out of the blue are bachcha to sota hi rehta hai ha usko chahiye bhai sona like <laughs> then he'll be attentive and playful in school so yeah i don't know whether that touches upon the points and i don't know whether i rambled on too much no so i think uh, one thing that i do get from it is you know having to go deeper but you know my question came from the point of view like as in i i i what i get from this is people have to put in the effort to be able to go deeper you can't just sit and you know uh, expect whatever information that you get is the deepest information that you have this is what the sense that i get from it because whatever you are telling me it's either from experience or from the reading or learnings that you you've done right um, it's not just through you know doom scrolling or whatever they now they're using all fancy terms for just like you know going through social media feeds so this is like the larger sense that i'm getting from from the original question that i had yeah so uh, i mean just aside on that i think where you are uh, moving towards is key since the consumption is largely social media and it's short form content how do people then analyze deep you need to make the effort and i'll just i'll give you one example of uh, and i'm not trying to be judgmental right reading books has really come down reading mm-hmm. books is a direct correlation i would think to being able to dig deeper pay attention and all because you have to make the effort vis-a-vis when you watch a screen right where the screen makes the effort that's it i mean not to be really judgmental but you're not applying yourself oh, that's a that's great one. point uh, sorry go on no it's a great point that i mean the thing that you said you have to put in the effort and in in today's case the screen is putting the effort that's that's very interesting yeah go on sorry yeah so otherwise what will happen is that and we'll just take the example of twitter right and just look at indian politics and let's look at say center level discussions state level discussions so you just have this you know short tweets that you know basically sensationalize an issue create polarization mm-hmm. and all now this is all being created by very smart 
who actually understand the issue well now will you be sub, will you subjugate your opinion to them then that's your choice or will you try to say okay fine you know let me um, you take up anything you talk of the hijab bro you talk of india's uh, net neutrality in the ukraine war i mean people will only have you know polarized views rather than really understanding what the issue is about so i think uh, that's that's been a niche at least in my side ki let me at least hear the other side out right. read about the right. other side before getting that sense i have an interesting question here like you mm-hmm. said generally we have to put in the effort to understand the whole situation and then take a side but like what if you do not want to take a side like absolutely but like like sometimes uh, for me in some cases i uh, i do not put in a lot of effort to understand most of the political issues because i feel like uh, I, one i don't relate to them two i don't feel like i can contribute but like i see my friends taking stance and sometimes uh, i don't know if i'm doing it as something wrong or right right because i'm right. not taking a stand so what is your opinion on that right so first up i think taking a stand uh, with some very lazy perspective is like super easy mm. right so i really uh, you know i find that absolutely off uh, that's something i i don't adhere to or follow or second is uh, if you don't want to take the stance you don't care about the subject that's fine i mean uh, you of all you know the subject that you really care about uh, i don't know you will have to tell me more about that mm-hmm. but uh, you know for example if in my case i would aspire to i'm not yet there but you know something around fitness how to you know possibly run 21 kilometers track it read content about it get some you know right. training around it then you know aspire to run 42 kilometers that itself will take up so much of my bandwidth then i'm not bothered about politics yeah but the third point comes which is that does politics matter that is an individual opinion individual perspective uh i think i'll leave it at that got it <laughs> okay so uh, just one thing sorry sid uh, just to build up more on what sid kind of said both me and sid now that he did an mem and now i'm going to do an mba we both want to be managers like in the future right and one key important thing about managers is you have to be decisive in in things in steps that you take you you got to be able to tell what's uh, i mean at least be intuitive or at least do enough thoughts or research to be able to make a good decision or judgment now this kind of i think i think this kind of ties into what uh, sid is asking is that now nowadays right your your worth on social media at least and how you kind of perceive through that is like how well or what kind of stance do you take or how decisive or what how are your arguments placed right and given that we are not really like sid is not really interested in all these kind of things it kind of plays out in his other place where he wants to be a product manager and all that now would that like kind of kind of bog down the decisiveness that he would have to make because people nowadays kind of randomly bring in arguments from all over the place so what's your thoughts there's, there's a very interesting word for that which i recently learned it's called conflate so when you conflate. connect to so what you're implying is that will people conflate 
you know lack of decisiveness on social media to into the work right and i i would think that would be like a very very immature organization which would do that because mm-hmm. i think there is always a personal space and there is a professional space um uh, and i i mean coming back to that point right sorry i am actually from a different generation i am not on social media except whatsapp for communication and linkedin for professional connect so uh, i'm I, yeah that's that's kept my life simple actually i mean that's that's again my perspective but does that answer your question yeah to some extent i'll just uh, add one last point to that same question is given that you have been manager and you probably still are uh, what are what is some small advice for aspiring managers today actually very interesting you know because uh, as i came out of mba as i entered uh, my value in terms of salary was 2 lakhs per annum as i came out it was 8 lakhs per annum it was four times in two years and i actually wondered for the first one year why is this aisa kya ho gaya and whatever i could recollect i had i don't think i learned anything that was not of course entirely true but through the through the careers or through the whatever companies that i worked so there there is an essential value in a manager which nowadays is either uh, construed badly in terms of you know you just have to manage stuff that's thrown at you or if you work at a tech company and then you're like okay okay you are manager your business guy you will do some vague stuff and we will do the hard stuff but i think what's where i mean i'll just touch upon a couple of points one thing i guess is managers deal in ambiguity there's an unclear situation and then you underwhelm the situation hmm. uh because i mean that's a very natural thing right so you you hit a wall and everybody is like oh shit what's happened and all and that's when a manager comes in to underwhelm it break it into pieces try to get external help where information is limited i mean that's important right and this is where that earlier point comes in your constant learning is involved and all these situations will make you feel like an imposter you're suddenly in a room and then people are looking at you ki acha yaar what do you think and you are like i don't know what to think so uh, dealing in ambiguity is a very very important thing taking calls now that you mentioned that you know being decisive and taking calls and all i find it extremely rare now there are reasons for that either uh, you know you just love the bureaucratic setup in our company the way it was in couple of my past companies so why should i take a call you know wo to bada sa ble very similar to bureau lot of indian companies work that way, like that huh? we should not be too critical about the so making calls taking decisions and being responsible for it it's a very very rare thing and really it will really uh, make you stand out the third and again i just so sorry to say i've just not seen it anywhere to some extent in my current organization how do you manage team how do you recruit how do you nurture how do you guide how do you lead how do you clarify you know so somehow uh, in a hierarchical setup or i don't know 
this is not my job kind of a mindset which is a very very western company style of working right that you gave me mm-hmm. these 5 krs this is what i'll do in india you don't work like that you have 5 krs and you do five more so how do you handle that uh, how do you handle it how do you trickle it down to your team so i had an amazing i have had an amazing set of managers that's just luck, being lucky who have like practically checked all three boxes dealing in ambiguity taking calls nurturing teams but i think lot very few people are that lucky that really i think you know, stands out in terms of what's a manager all about of course i mean the seminal book by uh, peter drucker should be read in this context he's no more of course but he's he's written a lot about what's a manager okay can can you repeat his name peter drucker is that right yeah yeah peter drucker okay all right uh said yeah go ahead you were you have been uh, you know waiting waiting yeah <laughs> go on yeah sandy like like you know great tips for like you know how managers should work and like one question i had in that direction itself was uh, like how do like personalities play out in like you know your in your management styles generally people say that you know ho oh, like uh, if you're a manager you need to be an extrovert you know you need to uh, be uh, you need to enjoy being around people and introverts might have a hard time being managers and also like generally people have this notion of one management style like i i know like there could be like multiple management styles so how do you hand like say if you have a different management style how do you convey that to your team and set that expectations sorry this was like a three part question <laughs> right so one is about uh, can you be a manager whether you are extrovert or introvert yep how do you handle it within the organization and how do you handle it within the team yep within the team i guess uh, that third part which i talked about right where you recruit and train and nurture and interact i think then the styles kind of get adjusted then your team knows uh, where they uh, you know where you are not interested in and you know where your team's interest lie in organization becomes a bigger challenge but the first question actually i am not uh, in the best position to answer it because for me managerial positions have been in business mm. the most extreme is sales where you don't have a choice i mm-hmm. would be bordering on being an introvert but in a sales conversation which is slightly involving some some thinking would come very naturally to me i would just put myself in those shoes then you step back you do say partnerships you know let's discussing with another company okay so you know when i was at times internet then we were talking to flipkart so the discussion is a bit more cerebral right so it's like a discussion so that's fine my manager then was actually quite an introvert but if you come down to the technology space so when you say a product manager i don't know what's the relevance of being extrovert introvert there how that plays out mm-hmm. now extrovert introvert is one thing but we should separate it out from communication skill right yeah if your communication uh kind of is fine then i think this is kind of underplayed you are you know what is your uh, say quarterly objectives weekly objectives when is when we meet up you know every week 
I mean, this is the other thing I've seen, right? I mean, this is like really pathetic. People go in for meetings in India and there is no minutes of the meeting. You again meet on the same topic. You talk on the same thing. You will meet again after one year. You talk. I mean, this, this has got nothing to do with extrovert or introvert. It's just like bad communication. Right. This is so this think, is great, actually. Uh, the fact that you kind of differentiated between communication skills and extroverts and introverts. I mean, today's day and age definition of an introvert is lacking poor communication, yeah. like lacking communication skills. And I think that's a very good differentiation that you kind of really made just now. Um, yeah, so, okay. Uh, I'd like to shift gears now. And I want to talk about, you now. given the fact that you kind of touched upon uh, how... Uh, you know, you worked in these companies, Indian companies, which kind of similar work in a very similar way to governments, right? Uh, I want you to go a little bit more deeper in that, if you can. Uh, what exactly is similar? What is different? And uh, what do you think needs to be better, like, you know, in the governments and the bureaucratic setting? Yeah, I think if I would ramble on with that answer, we would be here till tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I think touch upon in terms of what I understand. Okay, let's there again. Let's be clear. I've been working in this space only for about twelve months, but been very lucky in terms of working closely with senior bureaucrats, politicians right. sometime and all. So some characteristics of say government slash politicians, right? Politicians work under extreme stress. Uh, they are always in the public view. Mm-hmm. And they work in their self-interest. Same applies to bureaucracy. Coupled with this is the inherent nature of how government works, which is through its checks and balances and processes. At some point, you can say lack of accountability. The way we covered in that article on the poor roads right. of Bangalore, right? Uh, you know, somewhere, you know, possibly all the processes are working fantastically, but the road is not. So in only a link to that, output. Uh, sorry, sorry, Sandy. Link to that uh, article will be in the podcast description. Anyways, go on. Continue. Uh, uh, at the same time, government works very slow because it has to consider all stakeholders. The ramifications of something going wrong are uh, massive and huge. Right. Just to put it in perspective, if government did things fast, the way demonetization was announced and if government did stuff like that every quarter, you can imagine where our society and economy will land up. So by its nature and because of its large scale, large means really large, it works slow. Now the challenge becomes how to get their self-interest to match our the public interest, etc. But I mean, this again is 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 at a very theoretical level. So let's look at an example. Uh, There is poverty in India. Everybody accepts it. Uh, At our uh, organization, we look at eradicating first ultra-poverty and then poverty in the longer term. Now, what is ultra-poverty? These are like really poor people who migrate for jobs. They work in brick kilns across India. They earn less than 25,000 rupees per they have no assets. They have no land. Okay. What is the scale? What is the size of that population? 100 million. Now, government runs multiple schemes. 
there is a below poverty line card there is manrega which gives uh, 100 days of guaranteed labor there is old age pension there is prime minister avas yojana this yojana lot of stuff somehow this population of ultra poor gets missed will not get into the reason now because we work uh, in this ultra poor program in jharkhand we want to expand it to other states and all we've been uh, we've been doing our own program but this needs the scale and involvement of the government now how do you convince the government then you go through the usual steps showcase your program identify champions uh, see whether you can get big partners to talk on your behalf so luckily you know when you when you speak to say five government ministries you will find that one there'll be one enterprising maybe uh, ias officer who will say that yeah this is good uh, just you know ride on his uh, ride on his credibility and push it through and it all takes time and for the reason that we just talked about but this again takes me back to that point that uh, we should not indulge in some you know kind of a lazy analysis are yaar dekho itna sa poverty scheme kar rahe hain lekin poverty mein to you know people are not coming out of poverty how will we ever do so there is a certain process and it uh, and it takes its time you can always push through it you can always push and no does that answer your question yeah 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 i have like one more question you said that uh one of your schemes you started in jharkhand and now you're looking to expand so like can you tell us more about like how do you plan such projects like which uh, which are in line to like for the service of people and like how do you uh, like how do you decide which state to select or which city to select in terms of uh, you know delivering your project okay so i'll split it into two like the ideal answer and the practical answer <laughs> okay so the the ideal answer is that you know we do a lot of research you know we identify areas where uh, where there is uh, there is a lot of need and in india you know you pick any area there is a lot of need right and then you come down and then okay then the next question so where should i do it which uh, state or district or something then i'll do some you know possibly map the uh, sdg goals which is sustainable development goals look at niti ayog's uh, aspirational district program so i do all of this ideally is all ideal ways good to go raise the money hmm. and then you come down to the practical part practical part first check is that where will you align with that favorable government favorable district favorable ias officer will give you that support because you need support right that's a realistic realistic or you find some extremely enterprising team there or a team leader who has done work there okay because in india at least in this particular ultra poverty program it's a need everywhere even in karnataka go to north karnataka by the way in karnataka two districts are aspirational districts i mean they are very euphemistically euphemistically named aspirational districts means basically they are really the laggards mm-hmm. uh, it's basically yadgir and raichur and in general if you go to north karnataka it's very different it's not what we see around bangalore then you uh, see whether you can raise the money for that that's the, that's the other important thing right so where is the donor interest skill development is a very big check fatafat you know people will give money 
wanted to go to a rural development program somewhere the outcomes of which i don't know they will come after 3 years involves a lot of trust that's a very important thing i mean we might want to in as i keep mentioning right there are a lot of areas of intervention but can you get those stakeholders together can you get the money only then you will make some meaning na main akela jaake kya karunga right kar sakte hain but that will not be enough yeah the like uh, the way i can relate this is like the first answer is like an answer which you given in an interview is like yeah i did this i achieved all these goals and the second one is like the actual how how you did it right <laughs> yeah and yeah. i had one more thing just to digress a bit so i worked in a ngo like a couple of years ago like for two years and one problem i faced was like after the second year like i felt it was too overwhelming for me because like i was this privileged person who was earning like stable salary and i was helping like i was you know i was putting an effort to help but say like when uh, when the organization was fundraising and stuff like i wanted to put in like say more monetary amount and stuff like that but i could not because i feel like you know these are my savings with my effort like it's like i how do you uh, you know manage that yeah, like moral dilemma that you know i am being a imposter by working in this ngo but actually i just yeah <laughs> i am exactly. just a capitalist yes. and a consumerist yeah i think there there's one thing right uh, and i was assuming uh, that was not a full time job no it was not it was a part time volunteer so i'll job. tell you from a full time perspective yeah and uh, luckily i work with an ngo that pays better than two things that uh, we are often fall a victim for one is a bleeding heart is like oh shit 100 people have died in mm-hmm. and second is ideological oh karnataka mein hum log nahi nahi we will not run this program because you know that government is of a different party see then what you're missing is what what is your out, what is your objective what is the goals that you're trying to achieve you want to work towards i'm just taking this let, let's say skill development itself okay i want to and let's not talk big numbers i want to skill 1000 youth over the next 6 months that is your objective and you need to deliver it a bleeding heart mentality say if i go in the remotest village of jharkhand and then i get bogged down and there is no resources nothing you that's a rabbit hole the second is the, the ideological problem no no in karnataka i will not do Long. so don't lose sight of what's your objective mm-hmm. in terms of doing it and then i think it gives clarity yeah and there is abs- by the way the, the other third thing and there's actually a very interesting talk i left just pick it up from somewhere when you earn money as a salaried employee or actually even if you spend money you're paying gst you're paying a lot of tax government is routing that tax two direct benefit schemes two manrega manrega i think in the latest budget the, the the amount has come down but it used to hover around 70 70000 crores per annum where is that money coming from it's taxpayer money right so let's not live in this uh, you know foolish paradise that you know unless i work on the ground in jharkhand only then i am doing some meaningful work you are contributing everybody's 
forget about income tax the moment you go buy a mobile phone right or you eat in a restaurant the tax pays go tax that you pay goes to the government correct so i think uh, that's what so don't fall in this bleeding heart and ideological bullshit i feel everybody is contributing in their own way and uh, i think i think the the value that needs to be inculcated or is empathy mm that really kind of you know solves for it i mean let's not i mean we should not not be going become you know bring up goats and uh, sheep and chicken and all that then who's going to chip design yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so so sandy what is the one thing that really stands out to you in today's contemporary indian politics <laughs> that, that i think we should ask modi ji modi ji will give one one hour answer for that <laughs> what uh, what stands out see politicians as i said are under extreme pressure they're in the public yeah, so sorry sorry good that you're mentioning that because uh, the last time we met right you uh, I, i'm i'm not sure if if you're okay with me uh, talking about this but then you mentioned how you have come to respect politicians now that is also something that if you can touch upon that will be nice yeah yeah so we'll do this in two parts first is what is what stands out in terms of politics of this age now whatever you might say that you know media has got polarized it's got biased and say the neutral views are being uh, snubbed and all that all said and done we have a free media and everything that is done in the public domain is visible politicians are more accountable uh it is actually very interesting and i was slightly surprised that how yogi adityanath swept the polls in up despite two three major disasters crazy amount of covid deaths in the second wave and very very large scale unemployment the article that we touched upon right free laptops don't solve right. the problem that also will be linked anyways uh but of course then they kind of change the narrative and then push it towards say law and order and infrastructure and all but this information is out there that's a big change in our politics there is mm-hmm. i mean even if you talk about 20 years back that was not there yeah so everything is visible now it will play out in different terms later but you cannot hide anywhere that's the biggest thing in india irrespective of politicians i think that's the way of living now contrast it to how a politician works now fundamentally he needs to win which is why when people critique uh, the bjp saying that it's an election winning machine and all the time they're just busy campaigning and all i would draw a parallel to say if you're an ngo who's constantly say fundraising अभी पैसा नहीं है तो क्या करेंगे पॉलिटिशियन ऑल्सो पावर नहीं है तो क्या करेंगे आई मीन एवरीथिंग मूट सो दैट्स इंपॉर्टेंट यूनिट टू विन इलेक्शन नाउ रियालिटी ऑफ इट इज दैट देर आर वेरी फ्यू प्लेसेस वेर यू हैव एब्सोलूट पावर सो यू हैव टू कॉन्स्टेंटली मैनेज द पॉलिटिक्स ऑफ द सिचुएशन दैट्स वन बिग कॉम्पोन सेकेंडली यू आर ऑलवेज इन द पब्लिक व्यू anything you say do and all has to always you know address all the stakeholders 
and above all something that we all forget politicians have the most amazing stamina of coming back you see across states you know the other day uh, mr modi was narrating this incident that sometime in 78 or early 80s where he was a pracharak he used to go around all over india he attended one of the bjp gatherings where they were celebrating some assembly election some local bipol so he was like are uh, hum uh, celebrate kyu kar rahe hum to haar gaye election so everybody said ki uh, are haar gaye par wo deposit nahi gaya so i don't know whether you understand sir if you lose if you don't get a minimum number of votes your deposit or whatever 50 1 lakh is also gone so it is like okay. the biggest ignominy matlab you fought an election you lost your deposit matlab you are the biggest loser <laughs> so he was saying i am i have come from there right now he has come from there and luckily he has not looked back but politicians have an amazing way to come back it's just amazing stamina so i mean huge respect for politicians in 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 that sense and they take the call all your bureaucracy everything and all exist and these guys take the call ultimately now because of the system and the vested interests these all play out slightly awkwardly mm-hmm. but you just mm-hmm. got to respect that uh, that profession you know the way these guys and i mean if you if you if you really find somebody doing some good work not being corrupt and all matlab that's like god's gift <laughs> yeah that's amazing i had a question the same lines of uh, politics where like many people discuss that okay many of the politicians are not well educated Uh, granted there are many politicians who are really educated uh, but you know the the percentage is very less and how they relate this is to like say to the new technology laws for example let's talk about bitcoin now india is like it's like an awkward stance where they're not completely rejecting it or completely accepting it but they've levied a f- full tax on it and all these uh, so called like you know people are very interested in technology they're like it's because the indian government does not understand blockchain or the bitcoin that's why they do not understand the powers of it so in your opinion like all these decisions when like uh, when rules are passed how much of research goes into it uh, you know before you know stating any law so i'll just put this in context right uh i i i kind of agree with your point that when you are not educated and if you do not have an opinion it will be very difficult to for example formulate the semiconductor policy yeah we had to wait for ashwin vaishnav to come in with his tech background and various background and all and with a clear mandate but who brought him in and why was he given that mandate is an interesting question which a politician knows even if he doesn't understand the uh, you know if he's not qualified right. but he knows that he can get somebody else will do it correct secondly ellen greenspan was the legendary federal reserve chairman matlab his voice uh, his words were like gospel mm-hmm. 
after the 2008 financial crisis where the world came to a crumble where all the pundits got screwed was all a build up because of ellen greenspan's monetary regulation policies in the financial domain he kept them unregulated and that's something that you know you should revisit to see that and it all became so toxic in terms of derivatives and derivatives of derivatives and god knows what else and nobody knew what was happening but ellen greenspan said everything should be unregulated market will find its own basis and all but the market vanished it didn't collapse it vanished so he kept lamenting after that are but the market should have behaved rationally <laughs> it behaved completely irrationally this was like the most accomplished uh, economics finance ways fed chairman he was at a loss of words so when we compare two perspectives no we should know that what over intelligence does <laughs> we should also know what under intelligence having said that if you don't have any understanding of technology and all let's look at technology only like bitcoin See, I think Bitcoin is a far more niche. I don't know. Do you call it niche now or niche? Niche. 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 Uh, so uh, let's look at semiconductor policy. India has had semiconductor uh, design uh, for a long time. We are a very advanced country in that. It's been thirty years. We took thirty years to get that policy. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, by that uh, terminology, we'll get a Bitcoin policy in twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> and why did it not happen we can go into you know analysis paralysis and all fundamentally it was lack of uh, lack of that intelligence lack of that capability lack of that initiative lack of that forward thinking and that forward thinking then comes this question right when you say visionary unless i have some basic understanding of how things will move you cannot have a vision now chandrababu naidu nobody talks about in 2000 or i guess 98 9897 he brought bill gates to india bill gates visited delhi and then hyderabad not even bombay bangalore he had the vision for isb when isb was searching for land they first landed up in uh, chennai where everybody said yeah yeah welcome welcome but you touch amma's feet they landed up in bangalore then they didn't bother this fellow sent his bunch of ministers to the airport escorted them to his house made a specially cooked meal by his wife and then gave land for free now so that goes to say he saw that you know this could be the next big thing it's it's, it's a different matter that you know about 1000 acres around the campus was owned by him but uh, we'll not go down that path but it takes a visionary and yes um that 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 uh, that gap is visible right and one additional thing how much research goes into it before like any laws sorry on... i didn't touch upon that yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but i think that i should leave it to lou to kind of you know opine about because i think his understanding and my understanding on that topic are very similar Go ahead, Lou. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think you both should be also talking for some time. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 
I agree. I mean, I was uh, I was gonna go for the closing though. <laughs> now, <laughs> given that you did the majority of the talking, I mean, see, uh, the amount of research I think happens. It is happening uh, from what I kind of see and understand. Uh, there are a lot of documents out there, and you know, there are a lot of like things that are in the open domain, like what Sandy kind of mentioned on the amount of research that's happening. But the problem, I think, still is the fact that the decision making is done by the politicians themselves. So all Niti Ayo can do is just suggest things right. in the end of the day, right? There is a lot of research and all done, but in the end of the day, it is still, you're still just a consultant, right? The, the company has to go ahead and do things. So it's the same way, I guess. So uh, research is being done, uh, but I don't know yeah, like how well it is getting percolated. So, I mean, Sandy is that, I don't know if I did justice to what you expected <laughs> me to do, but. <laughs> uh, no, I would largely believe that uh, there would be, let's not call it research, but at least in terms of backing it, uh, there would be a lot of stuff being done because see that taking in consideration of all stakeholders is a very important task. Right. Yeah. You just look at farm laws, okay? Having done farming and all, and farm, farm laws are a no-brainer. It was just one, this contingent of Punjab slash Haryana farmers who completely derailed some very important favorable reforms. So I think they, uh, but that was, I think, not related to the research and policy, but in more trying to build consensus around it. So just Can you the research and policy is not enough. Can you can you go deeper in the farm laws because you have been in farming and uh, okay we are not going to close for the, I guess another ten minutes if that's okay with yeah. you Sandy. <laughs> yeah yeah no uh, okay. so yeah you know let's just bust some very common myths about farming right number one no farmer wants to do farming let's not say no but about eighty percent almost hundred percent of farmers kids don't want to do farming. Okay, this is the reality. There's a large-scale movement to cities. And then there's something called, this is a famous economic term, actually. It's called disguised unemployment. So what one person could do, actually some five people are doing. So other four are basically unemployed. But because mm -hmm. of a lack of anything else they're doing. This is the reality. Now, in states like Telangana, where I was farming, I could either sell into the mandi, or I could sell to Reliance Retail, or I could, you know, put up uh, a shop and then sell directly to Retail. That was not the case till even 15, 20 years back. In Even now, I think many of the states have this, something called as Agricultural Produce Marketing Act. Because we came out of the era of starvation, I don't know whether you've heard of this, in 1960s, we used to wait for the wheat ships to come from US. And it used to be a paper headline, five ships have come. So we remained in that starvation mentality that we should regulate all the produce. So you sell only through the mandi, which was not happening in Telangana 10 years back. But it happens, say, I don't think for vegetables it happens anywhere now, people sell directly. So there was a way of controlling. So that was the first check that the farm law said that you can sell wherever you want. Second, that you can get into contracts with companies over a longer term. Say, potato farmers with uh, lace chips. 
or tomato farmers with uh, maggi ketchup at some whatever accepted prices and all that the third thing is removing these certain whatever cereals pulses from the essential commodities list because again from the starvation era which we had the for which we created the food corporation of india one of the most corrupt and most inefficient organizations in india there is some basic minimum that you need to store it's all in millions of tons it was supposed to repeal these laws which is basically no brainers and bulk of the states have already done it where did it run into rough weather and then got interpreted very very randomly was in punjab haryana and all punjab haryana benefit from minimum support price so you grow wheat you are a big farmer you grow say 100 tons you have your own political connections you tell him achayar you know 1000 rupees minimum support price you have to buy it so you buy it irrespective of whether that go down has a demand all this happens only in the rich farmers small farmer is fucked as usual which is 90% of them so what all issues get mixed small farmer is anyways screwed okay all these farm laws don't affect this nexus of rich farmer selling into the go down at pre agreed prices with politicians in kahoot with food corporation of india being extremely corrupt and inefficient it's just such a big setup that the farm laws could not shake and the narrative shifted to it being anti farmer and all now see what are the what we call as the moral hazards which is that people uh, take do stuff which ultimately they are not responsible for rice and wheat consume too much water punjab is now running out of water rice and wheat we are over sufficient so our godowns are full the grain rots right and that is considered as loss second you don't diversify you need a diversification of your produce which is why you still buy 200 rupees worth apples not that apples can be grown by these farmers but just an example stubble burning the whole this wheat and all has to be cleared so there is no technology to clear it the easiest way is to do stubble burning that causes climate change look at other states farmers say take even example of bihar bihar maybe is growing rice and wheat but he doesn't get anything no minimum support nothing so tax payer of bihar is funding this entire click hmm. so i mean it's it's such a huge issue that when you go through each point and then but i think ultimately the central government did a bad job of getting the stakeholder buy in because the farm laws are a no brainer they should have just been done they they did actually stick to it but then up elections were coming up and that's as they call the semi final yeah nice nice okay so sandy uh, before we close uh, what is the one learning that you would like to share with us uh, over your 17 to 20 years of career uh, across domains across corporations and you know meeting and being with governments yeah i think uh, so i'll just split it in per- professionally and personally i think actually it borders on the both uh, both actually it's common they just don't get too serious man i mean i no drama 
I mean, life is what happens. Uh, okay, suddenly you are farming. Suddenly you are, uh, you know, selling SaaS products, and suddenly you're doing <laughs> development work and all that. Yeah, I mean, like, don't get too serious about it. I mean, forget about the big shit that will happen possibly in your personal life. All of this is very easy to say, very difficult to live. <laughs> But if you, as you, as you practice it, it comes, comes naturally. You know, nice. and that that's where you address the imposter syndrome, and uh, you know, suddenly you land up in a new industry, and everybody's like, "Oh, watch out! You're new to the industry." Oh, and then you know that you've seen five industries. That's a tick. It borders on the personal, also. Yeah. Amazing, awesome, awesome! It was a great discussion. Thank yeah. you, Sandy. We could not cover a lot of things that we had originally also planned on covering, but I guess we, that's for another day, another podcast. Thank you so much, Sandy, uh, for joining us today. Uh, said any, any, any thoughts? Any last things that you want to say? Yeah, like go, like through this conversation, one thing that uh, I kept realizing was when I started transitioning into product management, learning more about product management, I thought like there were skills like say. dealing with stakeholders and thinking about multiple stakeholders ambiguity is like only to product management but like through this conversation i realized all these are life skills which are used everywhere <laughs> absolutely right. yeah right. so crazy crazy yeah. sandy you any any thoughts any last things that you want to say i talk too much <laughs> i don't know how much did i ramble on but i think it was amazing that you gave me gave me so much time to talk <laughs> no we are happy right. that you I mean, spoke so i was much. i was super happy yeah. uh, i mean the, the, see i'll tell you the fact of the matter is uh, we couldn't really contribute much in the discussion <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> say, you know uh, but i mean amazing amazing to have had you yes. on the podcast thank you so much so that's that's it about today's episode guys thank you so much for tuning in i'm lu and i'm sid and we are lucid <laughs>